Welcome to podcasts recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. We're finishing up our work in Don Miguel Ruiz's book, The Four Agreements. And so we're doing the fourth agreement today. It is always do your best. I got to tell you, when I read that about 20 years ago, it felt like my mom was waggling her finger at me. <laughs> did, did all of you have a waggler in the family? <laughs> I, I can still remember my mom would say things like, well, honey, as long as you did the best you could, I'm sure it'll be fine. But I got to tell you, the words and what she was really saying were a little different. Because what she was really saying was, you didn't do very well. And she had a variety of ways of explaining this to me, still sounding, you know, still sounding above board and nice, like she would say, oh, goodness, for a first effort, that's okay. <laughs> Did you ever get that one when you brought home something that you were trying from the first time in school, whether it was some new art project or something you were doing? And, and rather than just like, oh, my gosh, that's fabulous, mom would say something like, uh, hmm, well, if that's the best you could do, I know you'll get better. <laughs> but sadly, it was all code for, right? You didn't really do well enough. And so when I got to that fourth agreement, you know, I'm, I was eating this book up 20 years ago when it first came out, just eating it up. And when I got to that fourth agreement, it was like, great. Here's the invitation for me to feel less than again. Here's the invitation for me to think I'm, I'm struggling or not doing well enough or not able to keep up with other people or whatever, you know? It's, it's in better language and it's for adults now. <laughs> Great. <laughs> like I need the reminder as an adult, I'm still not quite up to par. But then I read it a little further and what I realized was, no, the words may sound similar, always do your best, but really his intent here is freeing. Rather than being a comparison exercise, it's an inward journey exercise. And so that's what I really want to talk about today. Because it is not about somehow increasing the idea of perfectionism in the, in the world. And, and I have to tell you, the effects of my childhood were, since I never quite felt good enough, oh my gosh, my sights then for being good enough kept getting higher and higher and higher to where unless I was perfect at something right out of the chute, I wouldn't even want to do it. I would say to myself, oh my gosh, I'll never be good at that. So... I just won't ever do it. <laughs> and you got to understand that that allowed me, right? It's like I, I perceived myself as not good at sports, so I didn't go out for sports. I perceived myself as not good at all kinds of things because there was that immediate sense that I was good at it. And so rather than fail, rather than see in my own eyes that I just wasn't up snuff, I would pass on it. Life is not about passing right? Life is not about giving in and giving up. And so how do we take this fourth agreement, always do your best for what it's worth? Well, first of all, 
Let's throw out the comparison entirely because doing your best is something for you. It's not comparing yourself to someone who's already been doing it for 35 years and is an expert at it. It's not even about comparing yourself to, to someone that you know and love and maybe has an idea of how you should be doing it, right? The, the mother syndrome or the, the parent syndrome that I was talking about. Doing your best is something you do just for you. And because it's a personal thing, because it doesn't matter what other people think, because you're not measuring yourself against someone who's been doing it for 50 years or thousands of hours of training, because it's for you, it actually varies with you. And this is the real important part of this book is to understand that your best may actually be different from day to day. Now think about it for a minute. As an example, we just got a new puppy in the family, and so I've had a couple sleepless nights. I mean, literally, the puppy is like, whoa, where's my mommy? Where's my other puppy mates, right? And so we're, we're up all night trying to be the puppy's mother so it's not feeling separated. So... Even though, even though this is picnic Sunday, even though this is bring a friend Sunday, I'm running on about two hours of sleep over the last couple nights. And yet, and yet I have confidence that today I will give you my best. Now, it may not be the same as it will be next week when, please, I'll have more sleep. <laughs> it may not be the same as three or four weeks ago before we got the new puppy. But what I do know is I'm going to give it my all today, and we're going to have some fun talking about these four agreements. It's going to be my best. You have my full attention, and we're going to have some fun today. And if my eyes look a little red, who cares? So how do we move forward in this idea of doing our best? First of all, we have to evaluate what we're being asked or what we're planning on doing, right? I think many of us are trained when someone asks us to do something that we take on their idea of how it should be done. We take on their expectations for excellence. We assume that this thing that's going to be done, I have to meet someone else's standards of what it looks like, how it outplays the results of it. Well, first of all, to really do our best, we have to say, what does that mean to me? I'm going to do my best today, but I know how much sleep I've had. I, I know the expectations. Only I can say what my best is right in this moment. And so that's where you start. You say to yourself, oh, great, the boss has given me this wonderful new assignment, or, or my, my friend has asked me to throw a party, or whatever it is. You don't start by saying, what do they want? You start by saying, what is my best in this second? And sometimes you may even need to clarify with them. I got to tell you, my energy levels are a little low this week. If I'm going to throw you a party, here are the parameters around that. Here's me doing my best this week. When the boss comes to you with a big stack of work and maybe you're going through a divorce or something crazy is happening in your life, you say, well, thank you for the work, right? But you need to know what's going on in my life right now. There's your time to set your parameters for what your best looks like. Maybe your best on that day isn't the same as it would be on some other day. And that is okay. Don Miguel Ruiz says there are only two things we can do wrong. One of them is to try to do more than our best. 
Now, guess what happens when we try to do more than our best? That's, our, that's when we have the perfectionist running on us, right? That's when we say, oh, no, I should be able to fly over the tall mountains. I, I should be able to heal the universe of all of its sins because somebody did it once. <laughs> so, so therefore, right, that should be me. I should be. Do you see what happens when you try to do more than your best? You're setting yourself up for self-recrimination. You're setting yourselves up to feel that you did a bad job when in reality you did your best. You did it your all. So when we strive to do more than what we literally can do, more than our best, we get ourselves in trouble. But what happens when we do less than our best, right? You might say, well then, as long as I ratchet back what I'm going to do, I'll always feel good about myself. I'll always feel like, well, I had a little more to give, but it was pretty good. But see, Miguel Ruiz says that's the same trouble. When you do less than your best, there's always that sense of holding back. There's always that sense I could have given it more. There's always that sense that there's more to me that wasn't expressed here. So doing, trying to do more than your best sets yourself up for feeling not so good. Doing less than your best, unfortunately, sets you for feeling up not so good about yourself. It's in that sweet zone of giving something your all, of really plunging in and in that particular moment, given how much sleep you've had, given how much training you've had, just as you are, giving it your best shot, really plunging in and giving it the gusto that you have, that and that alone is the sweet spot. That's where you feel good about yourself. You do some good work in the world, and the universe tends to respond to you, doesn't it, when you're in the groove? People notice that people pick up on the fact that you're really moving and shaking that day. Even if it isn't perfection, even if it isn't someone else's idea of how it works, they sense that you're in, right in the middle of it, doing what you can, doing what you know how, and it's fabulous. Okay, Don Miguel Ruiz says, there are also two side effects of doing your best, and I want to talk about them for a minute, because uh, I think you'll discover the side effects are almost as much wonderfulness as the benefit of doing your best. One of them is, you'll actually start liking what you're doing more. Now think about this for a minute. So often, most of us are involved in activities that on the surface we might say, I don't even necessarily like it. We might be involved in cleaning the house. We might be involved in doing our job every day. It may be a job that we don't particularly care for and we think we're doing it for the paycheck. It may be, you know, doing yard work or something. You know, it, the only goal is kind of some nebulous end of, well, but is the lawn ever really cut? Do you know what I mean? Or do you ever really pull the last weed? See, there, see, there's the trouble with so many of the tasks we do. We have this sense of when I'm done, but are we done? Don Miguel Ruiz says when we're doing our best in the moment, though, then we start enjoying the process rather than just looking for an end reward, rather than only being content when the last weed is pulled, only being content when the job is really finished, but well, then what about tomorrow? You're back to the job again. If we're waiting for the end to enjoy ourselves, if we're waiting for the completion, there may never be a completion. Why would we want to only be satisfied and happy with ourselves 
once. <laughs> so his suggestion here is when we're doing our best, then there's some enthusiasm around the doing. Whether the project's done or not, who cares? I'm doing my best. I'm in the groove. I'm, I'm sensing that what I'm doing right now is making a difference. I'm giving it my all. And whether it's perfect, who knows? Whether it's complete yet, who cares? It's me in the thick of things making a difference. So the one side effect is you'll actually start enjoying your doing more, even if it's things you wouldn't normally enjoy or think of enjoying, right? Because you're giving it your all, there's that sense of accomplishment. At the end of the day, you can think to yourself, I really gave it my all today and I made a difference. Second unintended side effect, or are these side effects unintended? You know, that's another good question because I'm not so sure that these side effects are unintended or whether they're actually part of the whole process of doing your best. But the second one is you actually get better. And I want to use an example. As you can tell, especially those of you who are maybe here for the first time, we pride ourselves a bit on our music at our center. And in a couple years, I decided that after a 40-year hiatus of uh, piano lessons. Yeah, I know. If you do the math, uh, you'll discover that I had piano lessons when I was like seven and eight. And oh my gosh, when I was seven and eight, I had an idea of what playing the piano would sound like, and I wanted it right then. And much to my surprise, after three, four, even five lessons, I couldn't play all the music I wanted to, and I gave up. So I thought to myself, well, now I'm a little more mature. I'm ready for piano lessons. And, and in fact, Ken, our, our, our pianist here, um, uh, gives lessons. And so, so we hooked up. And after a, a few lessons, he said, you know, our talent show is coming up this fall. You ought to sign up. You can do a piano piece. And I think it was Ken's enthusiasm for me. I just said, sure, why not? <laughs> And so I picked out a song that I, that I enjoyed, and, and I started, though, to make the first mistake. I did the comparison thing. Do you know what I mean? Uh, I was going to play Somewhere Over the Rainbow, and so I listened to some really famous people play it on the piano, and I thought to myself, oh, shit. Um, I'll never be able, right? I started doing the comparison thing. When in reality, all I needed to do was my best. Well, well, Ken helped me with that. He did a very simple arrangement to it. And, and as I began working on it, I actually got better. So one day, I, I kind of blew through that, and he said, okay, here's your next arrangement of it, which, of course, was more complicated. And so I worked on that, and I worked on that, and actually I got up to even a third arrangement. And although my piano playing still is not anything that you would ever pay any money to, I gotta tell you, it was good enough for me. It was that sense of giving, my, giving it my all, doing my best. And, and a few of you, I, I'm looking out here, were here two years ago for the talent show, and oh boy, I made a couple big clinkers in it. And I don't care. It was lovely. It was lovely. I gave it my all. I did my best. I improved at it. And oh my gosh, 
The process was pleasant, and you know why? It's because I wasn't looking at endless scales and endless practice to have some unobtainable idea of what concert pianistship should be like. It was having fun in the process of doing it. It was giving it my all, knowing that my all from day to, well, and you could ask Ken afterwards, sometimes my all wasn't all that good on certain days, and it was okay, because I was still giving it my all. I was still doing on that day what I could do, enjoying it as best I could. This, I think, is what Don Miguel Ruiz says when he envisions us each day doing our best. It's just plunging in, whether it's something that normally you think you're good at or not, whether it's normally something you even think you like doing or not, if you give it your all, things will happen. You'll start liking it better, you'll start feeling better about yourself because the comparisons are done, and almost in a hidden way, almost behind the scenes, you simply start getting better at it because you're practicing it, because you're doing it, because you're putting some positive energy into it. Suddenly you discover that you're better at doing whatever it was last year, last week, yesterday, than the day before. I want to close today with one other uh, kind of longer example because, you know, playing the piano, you might think of it as sort of a hobby or something, I don't know, something that isn't life-changing, although I would argue that many of our hobbies or, or music in general can be life-changing, but what about our actual jobs? So many of us that work nine to five or whatever our schedule is like have that sense of doing it for the paycheck, right? Some of our jobs are not very glorious. Some of them can be pretty tedious. And how, how can I bring this into the work environment? So I want to tell you the, the story of me starting out. So, uh, so, of course, being very fancy with a couple degrees from University of Oregon, I moved up to Portland and the only job I could find was working for minimum wage at the telephone company. It just was the way the job market was at the time. And so I joined the telephone company, and every day they would deliver a stack of what they called service orders on my desk that was this high, single-spaced, kind of smallish pages, but full of stuff. And my job, page by page, was to type it into a computer. And even on my first day, I'm looking at that, and I'm looking at the computer, and they're showing me how to do it. And, oh, and I barely even qualified to get in. You had to be able to type 15 words a minute. Well, now, I I know know that all of you, all of you probably are speed demons on a typewriter, but I wasn't. (laughs) So the thought of 15 words a minute, this stack of paper, and of course, At 22, I'm thinking, for the rest of my life, I'm thinking, just kill me now. Just kill me now. And so pretty early on, within two or three days, of course, we started making friends, and there was someone else about my age that sat uh, very close to me. And she and I kind of made a pact. Bobby and I made a pact that we were going to somehow make this interesting that this stack of paper was not as powerful as we were, and that somehow that stack of paper could be made interesting. 
And so what we began to do was we would compete with each other a little bit, right? We were both about at the 15 <laughs> words a minute uh, 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 level with no mistakes. And we started actually seeing if we could improve in that. Just between us, right? There was no office politics or incentive around doing better or any of those things. That was back in the corporate world before such things, you know, before they would time you and all that stuff. And, and so we were really just doing it for our own selves. And we began noticing that the orders had certain patterns to them and that by, by noticing what was going on in different parts of the order, you would know that you don't even need to look at page three of it. Like if this is true on page one, page three through page 40 will never have anything that you need to type in. And so we began learning some of the little tricks of being more productive, and we would tell each other our little stories of, oh my gosh, you can, if you come across this, you can blow through 20 orders in like five minutes. And so we would look for those things, and do you know what? We started actually getting pretty good at it. For one thing, our typing skills came up. After about six months, I was doing 85 words a minute with no mistakes, and of course, Bobby, because she was awesome, was doing over 100, but that's another story. <laughs> but what happened was, by giving it our all, even when it was an odious job, by plunging in and, and seizing our own destiny in it, even if it wasn't ultimately a job that we wanted, even though we weren't probably being compensated all that well, we made it our own, we made it interesting, and we really gave it our all. Guess who the two people promoted out of that particular workforce were? Yeah. It's one of the rewards of giving it your all. People notice. People notice that you're willing to plunge in and do what's necessary to get a job done, that you're not pulling back, that, that even when you're not very good at something, oh, and my gosh, we were horrible at first. You gotta believe me. Even when you're not good at something, people can sense you're doing what needs to be done. They know that you're plunging in and doing your best. You get better at it. And there are further rewards to come. So to summarize, doing your best, it means understanding that you're doing it in the now. And from one day to the next, your best may be different. That's okay. Knowing that your best has nothing to do with someone else's best, someone else's standards, someone else's idea of excellence, that's for them. For you, you evaluate where you are right now, doing what you're doing right now. What would it look like if I gave it my all? That's my best. I'm happy with that because it's my best. I'm not going to shoot above that because I'll disappoint myself. I'm not going to shoot below that because I'll disappoint myself. I'm going to be strong. I'm going to be powerful. I'm going to do my best always. I'm going to close today with a, a quote, the, kind of the ending quote from this lovely book of Don Miguel Ruiz. The four agreements are a summary of the mastery of transformation, one of the masteries of the Toltec Wisdom School. You have the power to transform a personal hell into heaven. The dream of the planet is transformed into your personal dream of heaven. The knowledge is there. It's just waiting for you to use it. The four agreements are there. You just need to adopt these agreements and respect their meaning and their power. 
As the Toltecs teach us, the reward is to transcend the human experience of suffering. It is to become an embodiment of God. This is nothing short of the reward. Let us pray. There is one power and one presence. There is one life and one goodness. There is this thing that I call God, but, but what I know is the world religions call it by different names. Allah, the beloved, the divine feminine. By any name, it is simply the one, all that there is. And it represents all the love, all the power, all the joy, all the happiness. Everything that is in God is, of course, part of God and available to us. And so on this day, I know that doing my best is something that I take to my own heart. It is the activity of God, in fact, working through me when I'm doing my best. It is God doing God's work on the planet when I plunge in and do my best. And as it is true for me, I know it is true for each person in this room, that there may be things that we are to do and maybe things that we are not to do, that, but for each person here, when we are committed there is that potential, that beautiful middle ground of doing our best. And so with each passing day, I know that there is that wisdom to know what is for us to do, and there is that ability to just plunge in, to learn, to, to love whatever activity it is, to become better at it, to become joyous in our lives. That is our work on this planet. And maybe, maybe it's not even work. And so I'm grateful for the power and presence of God in this room today as it takes the form of each person here. I'm grateful for this ancient teachings uh, brought to us through Don Miguel Ruiz. Grateful for this idea of doing my best. I release this prayer into the activity and action of the law itself. I simply let it be. And together we say, and so it is. Thank you for being here today. So glad you're here. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 and 11 a.m. every Sunday. Our mission is to open hearts, ignite minds, and to make a difference. If you'd like to support our center and its podcasts, you can donate online at www.pcsl.us donate. Our website is also the place to learn more about what's going on at the center or to contact us. Allow us to become part of your extended community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.